It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to quantum number 125. Do you know of all the things that I never thought I'd be talking about, it would be the definition of woman. Let's go, girls. Shania Twain seems very sure about what a woman is. Now, we, we bring this up every now and then, but this, this one was just amazing. Harvard Medical School. Right, it's a medical school. So, and it's Harvard, and people pay fortunes to be able to get there, and Harvard medical doctors earn fortunes. But Harvard Medical School has put out a tweet which says this. Globally, ethnic minority pregnant and birthing people suffer worst outcomes and experiences during and after pregnancy and childbirth. The institution then shared a follow-up. The webinar panellists used the term birthing person to include those who identify as non-binary or transgender because not, who give all who, not all who give birth identify as women or girls. I don't care how they identify. They are women. They are girls. Right? There's men and there's women. And men don't give birth and women do. How difficult is that? Um, it's interesting that Harvard have gone on to say that this was not meant to dehumanise or erase women, however it does, because it reduces women women to their to their organs basically. It's not a progressive position, it's not an inclusive position. Four score and seven years ago our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. The Gettysburg Address. Abraham Lincoln. Now you would think of all the presidents. That the one who lost his life because he fought against slavery might not be subject to the woke rewriting of history. But he is. A San Francisco district is planning to rename a school named after Abraham Lincoln because the former president did not demonstrate that black lives mattered to him. I mean, he died. He was assassinated. He, he fought a war to free slaves. But hey, black lives didn't matter to him. By the way, they're going to remove uh, George Washington and Herbert Hoover and Senator Dianne Feinstein because the Dianne Feinstein Elementary School will no longer be called that because she allowed the Confederate flag to fly outside City Hall back in 1984 when she was mayor. Now the woke are not going to let anything go. And it appears that neither is President Trump. Hail to the chief.
it, it's quite amazing what, what's going on in the States again. The Electoral College has appointed Joe Biden as president-elect. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Electoral College system, this is a historical thing and, and it's designed to, because of the 50 states of the US, to ensure that uh, each state appoints electors. They get according to their population and these electors vote for the president. Now, technically, US citizens don't actually vote for the president. They vote for the electors to vote for the president. But they vote, if you like, um, electors vote for a president that the electorate have told them to vote for. That, that's the idea. In theory, and legally, uh, let's say the California delegation, let's just go the most ridiculous example, they could suddenly decide, no, we're not going to vote for uh, Joe Biden, even though we were mandated to by the electorate. We're going to vote for President Trump. Now, that didn't happen, and the Electoral College this week has taken away Donald Trump's last chance of remaining. He, he Officially, Biden is now the president-elect. Of course, that doesn't stop Donald Trump uh, going on about people cheating, and lots of people, some of you listening to this, will be will send me various documents, stroke, YouTube videos that prove that there was treat cheating. Well, they don't. And, I, you know, honestly, I'm sorry, I... Please don't send me any more because I just can't cope with reading anymore. But, uh, I, I mean, I would say this. I don't doubt that there is some degree of cheating. But you have to be able to prove that there was sufficient cheating that would have changed the actual result. And so far, there's not been any of that. And I think Donald Trump should, instead of stirring up his base, he should graciously accept defeat and move on. All right. Um, there's been some big news here in Australia, and some people don't think it's big news. I, I think it's big news. And that is the Victorian government have come up with anti-conversion therapy legislation, which is, to say the least, somewhat extreme. Here's Dr. Kevin Donnelly. Well, when you look at Victoria, what the Andrews government is doing, it's draconian. It's a fundamental attack on freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, and it's uh, compared to the other states, whether it's Queensland, for example, or, or uh, Western Australia, it's very radical, very what I call cultural left. So when you read the legislation, as I did over the weekend, it talks about parents, even doctors, psychologists, and worst of all, I think religious leaders, priests or imams, not being able to advise or counsel or talk to teenagers or young children who are often uh, anxious or concerned or pressured, if you like, to adopt transgenderism, but that will be an illegal offence if the legislation is passed. Why is the Victorian legislation extreme and why does it matter? Because, look, when people talk about conversion therapy, what they're generally talking about is, is some form of extreme um, reparative therapy. Now, I've never heard of this being practiced anywhere. I know of no church that does it. Um, but I think this is a pretext. I think this is a Trojan horse because the, the Andrews government are not just talking about what many of us uh, are would, would consider to be conversion therapy. 
but they're talking about things like praying for somebody. They, they are going to make prayer illegal. Now, it's no coincidence that Jane Ozan and others have, there's an article appeared in the BBC, which I put a link to, which goes along the same route. And I mean, there's a concerted campaign going on here. And it, for some, it's an opportunity to attack Christian teaching. For others, it's a genuine issue. And for others, it's just a way of promoting the trans agenda. And, you know, again, just to read the abuse that J.K. Rowling is getting. By the way, the Victorian legislation would mean that several of the articles on my website would result in me going to jail for 10 years. For example telling the story of somebody who's ex-transgender. That's not allowed. If you're not gender-affirming, then you can go to jail. This is doctrine being imposed upon people upon the threat of jail. It's secular doctrine being imposed. It's horrendous. Now, a big issue, as well as COVID, and for me, a big issue while in, in Scotland and, and whilst I was in Dundee, an, an issue I faced virtually, certainly every week, if not every day, was that of drugs. Here's Nicola Sturgeon defending her government's policy on drugs. And we are working with experts uh, through a task force and we'll continue to do that to look at all of the options we have to tackle what is a completely unacceptable public health emergency. We have a lot of powers at our own disposal. Uh, just a few weeks ago I announced, announced additional investment for drug treatment services, which is important. four years ago your government reduced its funding for drug uh, addiction Three years ago services. we, we, dub, we int it, increased the funding and we've done it again. Well, you reduced it by £15 million. We, Four years ago this decision made, you were warned, there was a cross-party meeting, you were warned that reducing the funding for addiction services would lead to an increase in death. We, you carried on with it anyway and sure enough, we the have increased, death shot up. I'm not going to sit here and try to you know, argue this in a political way. This is serious, it's an issue I take seriously. The government is working to do uh, all of the things that we can within our power. But this is specifically the allegation that you've not I, taken well, it. I, I, and there's I, I, so many things that astound me about that. She said she's not going to do it in a political way. Well, she's a politician. She does everything in a political way. She did COVID in a political way. I mean, it's funny that people talk about how they want it to be a public health issue and it shouldn't be done by law. Well, COVID's a public health issue and the law is being used like a sledgehammer upon people. So what's the difference? I mean, and it's astounding as, you see, the figure here is that Scotland has three and a half times the number of drug deaths per capita than England. Scotland has the worst record in the developed world. Now, it's bizarre. The, the SNP has become a bit like a cult because SNP supporters immediately rush to Twitter to say, we want to blame Westminster because if the Scottish government had its way, they'd make it a public health issue and then everything would be hunky-dory. No, the Scottish government already has significant power and finance and the ability to do something about it, and they haven't. Their only solution is being offered to say, well, if we just made taking drugs easier the kind of harm reduction approach, to which there is some value, but it's nowhere near enough. Some people say, well, what would you do? Well, I, 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 I've buried drug addicts. I've seen the misery. I was attacked by a drug addict in, in Dundee. I tell you what, three things I'll just mention just now. Number one, you deal with the drug dealers. I remember visiting a woman in, in Dundee and across the street, I saw a group of kids from the local high school. I said, um, what are they doing there? They said, oh, she's a dealer. They're just, it was a middle-aged woman. 
she's a dealer and they're just getting their drugs for the afternoon. I said, how do you know that? She said, oh, everyone knows it. I said, do the police know it? Yes, the police know it. Do they do anything? No, they don't. Why not deal with the dealers? And stop criminalising the actual addicts. What's the point of, as I've seen happen so many times, somebody who's 16, 17, 18, 19, going through all their life until they die, and usually die very young, what's the point of arresting them, sending them to jail for three or four months where they get drugs in jail, sending them out? I remember collecting a, a, a guy who was a, a drug addict from prison, and as we came out the door, there were two other people with him, and they headed immediately for the petrol station. I said, why have they gone to the petrol station? He said, oh, their dealer's picking them up. He said, and if you weren't picking me up, then that's probably what would happen to me. So it's not a solution to send drug drug addicts to prison. Send the dealers to prison. Confiscate all the money that you can. Be really harsh in that. But yeah, don't criminalise. But the main thing that the Scottish government could do is rehab. There's virtually no rehab. Their solution is, well, we're going to help you to slowly kill yourself. How about rehabilitation for those who wish to come off drugs? It's a hard deal to come off drugs. Harm reduction is not enough. Do you know, the Scottish government could do well to fund and support the Christian charities who work with drug addicts and who have seen many come off drugs as they place their faith in Christ. But I think, ideologically, they would never do that. We've got some good news. Uh, Visa, MasterCard and Pornhub. Well, why is that good news? MasterCard and Visa have said they will end the use of their cards on Pornhub. Pornhub claims to have had 42 billion visits in 2019 and almost 7 million video uploads. Incredible. But after the Trafficking Hub petition was launched by Exodus Cry and supported by numerous child protection and women women's rights organisation, which accused Pornhub of enabling, hosting and profiting from videos of child rape, sex trafficking and other forms of non-consensual content exploiting women and minors. These credit card giants have agreed to do that. Well done. Well done. It's time for our National Anthem of the Week. Although this one sounds like a Soviet state, it's not. It's a country that was in the news this week. Fountain of light, where safety and sovereignty meet. It's Morocco. And Morocco is in the news because it's just signed a deal. Another one. This this is really... uh, I criticised Donald Trump earlier, but this foreign policy in the Middle East has been fantastic, the best of any recent US president. And now, as well as the UAE and Sudan, Morocco have agreed to recognize Israel. It's remarkable. And do you know this? Although he's a bit of a joke to people, Jared Kushner, Donald Trump's son-in-law, has been largely responsible for this. Now, there's a quid pro quo because uh, Morocco is, the the US is recognizing its claims to the West Sahara. Um, The United Arab Emirates were getting American fighter jets and Sudan was coming off the US terrorism blacklist. But that's how you do diplomacy. 
well done to them. And, you know, we pray that there would be peace in that area of the world. Okay, from something good, sublime, to something, to be honest, just quite silly. This last week, I've been thinking about this Black Lives Matter thing and the horror show that was the murder of George Floyd. Now, this is tricky for us in Dribbly because we're not the most diverse community. But, you know, I don't think it matters where you're from. I think it matters that you do something about it. Because Jesus would, wouldn't he? And, um, listen, I'm aware that all lives This matter. is the Vicar of Dibley, of course. And, of course, being a BBC programme. And, of course, well, I think accurately this time, portraying a... Uh, an Anglican vicar, it had to include in its latest episode an utterly banal piece about Black Lives Matter. Now, what's wrong with it? You go and look at the video and you'll see, you know, you'll see Don French just taking the knee and so on. Now, I, I've got, there's so many things that are wrong with it for me. Uh, number one, uh, you, you hardly ever see Don French, I know it's a sitcom, but taking the knee, if you like, to God for prayer. Number two, her argument doesn't make sense. She's saying all lives matter. And of course, she's saying it all in a village situation, which, you know, has no black people, but that's fine. That's the, the, these villages like that, you know, the kind of midsummer murder places. All lives matter the same, she's saying. Well, really? Because although it's only a fictional character, she's meant to be a vicar and... I would have thought she'd be campaigning against abortion. Do children's lives not matter? Or what about the poor? Instead of, you know, offering meaningless sermons about it, poor white working class people, as well as poor ethnic minority people, what is it that makes this one cause being something that's due for one particular sermon? Would I ever preach a sermon on the subject Black Lives Matter. No, I wouldn't. Because I believe what the Bible says. I believe in the words of, of the chorus, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. That's what I believe. And I will teach that. And I will fight racism from a scriptural perspective, not from a woke perspective, which is here today, gone tomorrow. No thanks. What rules are you playing? There's only one rule, expediency. Munt gives London what it needs, so Fiedler dies and Munt lives. It was a foul, foul operation, but it paid off. Who for? What the hell do you think spies are? Moral philosophers measuring everything they do against the word of God or Karl Marx? They're not. They're just a bunch of seedy, squalid bastards like me. Little men, drunkards, queers, henpecked husbands, civil servants playing cowboys and Indians to brighten their rotten little lives. Do you think they sit like monks in a cell, balancing right against wrong? Yesterday I would have killed Munt because I thought him evil and an enemy, but not today. Today he's evil and my friend. London needs him. They need John him. le Carre has died. I, I love his writing. Um, he died this week, aged 89. He died of pneumonia. Uh, his, his own name was David Cornwell, and he was actually a spy, so he couldn't publish under his own name. So John le Carre. Le Carre means the square, and some uh, I don't know why he called himself that. But it was his third book, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, which really was a kind of dark book because it spoke about moral failings on both sides of the Cold War. He, he, he became a bestseller 
because of that and was able to leave his job as a spy and instead to write these wonderful stories. I think in one obituary I read that his commitment to storytelling is best summed up in his own words. The cat sat on the mat is not a story. The cat sat on the dog's mat is a story. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The clock is ticking. From the 1st of January 2021, businesses that deal with Europe will have to follow new rules on exports, imports, tariffs, data and hiring. I think I've been avoiding this subject, but we can't avoid it. Brexit. For, for those of you who are wondering what's happened, you know, if you like the dummy's guide to Brexit, the United Kingdom voted to leave the EU. The EU, of course, has the mentality you can check out any time you want, but you can never leave the Hotel California mentality. So they make it as difficult as possible. It is difficult for the EU as well because they have to get 27 countries to agree. The United Kingdom could probably pass pretty well any bill, but it's difficult for Boris Johnson because he cannot be seen to be bowing down to EU demands, which is almost inevitably, I think, what will happen. And so they have to find some way. And there's all this talk about no deal happening. I, I somehow don't see it, to be honest. Up till this weekend, there was being said, this is it, this is the end, it's not going to happen. And then we've just heard that there is going to be further talks and Parliament will probably meet just before the new year when the current agreement transition phase runs out. Now, it's interesting, there's an EU Commission document and one of the big issues is fishing. And the EU Commission document for a almost like another transitional, transitional phase is that EU fishing boats would continue up until December 2021 to fish in UK waters as before. And that must not and cannot happen. There has been a surge of super trawlers off the UK and they are doing incredible harm. This is a report from The Independent. There have been 10 industrial scale fishing vessels in the channel. Now that may not sound much, but these super trawlers are industrial vessels more than 100 metres long, with nets measuring up to a mile, which catch hundreds of tonnes of fish a day. And they have a bycatch of dolphins, porpoises and seals. And for some bizarre reason, the EU fisheries policy allows them to go into uh, marine protected areas where they destroy fish stocks, kill non-targeted species, harm sustainable fishing communities and destroy marine ecosystems. Now, I was brought up in the Murray Firth, and one time the Russian fleet of super trawlers came in and they dredged the whole Murray Firth, Cromarty Firth, and that area. And I doubt to this day that it is recovered. They destroyed local fishing. The sooner Britain is out of the EU, the better, and the sooner we're able to have a sustainable fishing policy of our own waters, the better. And it's so disappointing that the Scottish National Party, which came to prominence over the fishing issue, has, although they say, we are against the common um, fisheries policy, but they then say, our policy is to join the EU, and you can't join the EU without being in the common fisheries policy.
Okay, let's leave all of that and let's... It's Christmas, isn't it? So, here's my friend Steve McAlpine pointed me to this song, Randy Stonehill. Christmas song for all year round. It is utterly, utterly brilliant. Listen to the words of it. This is what it's about. We need Christ. All of just everything that I've been talking about. We need Christ. There will be one more quantum before Christmas, so I'll not wish you a happy Christmas yet. But I hope and pray that the Lord would be with you. Uh, we've got lots of plans coming ahead for this and just delighted to see the podcast growing. If you wish to support it, please go to the Podbean fundraiser or get back in, in, in touch with me. If you've got comments, if you've got news, uh, if you've got corrections, pass them on. But otherwise, I will see you next week. God bless. Yes.